Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and as always, it's great to have you here with us today. Now, as I've said before, being in business is a journey, and like all journeys, there are often unexpected surprises along the way. And sometimes the surprises are that good things happen that you hadn't expected, and so things work out better than planned. Other times there are surprises in the form of problems as the business owner that you have to deal with. Either way, you have to plan ahead and know what and when to compromise and know how to pivot when necessary because running a business is never easy and no matter how prepared you are, there will always be challenges that you hadn't anticipated along the way. Now, my guest on today's episode is Australian hairdresser Daniel DiOrio, who has been in business for 11 years, but this year he made the decision to relocate his business. Now, this episode is part three and the final part of the journey that a salon owner goes through when they decide to open a new salon. Now, the first episode was episode 179, and that came out on the 14th of February this year. The second episode was 194, and that came out on the 30th of May. And in each episode, we'd follow his journey and all the ups and downs in real time along the way. Now, I know that he's finally got the salon open, so we'll pick up where we left off, and that was with building delays and a degree of the unknown. So, welcome back, Daniel. I am excited to hear about what's been happening since we last spoke. Thank you, Anthony. That was a fantastic intro, to be honest. I got some goosebumps listening back to that. It was very nice to hear, so thank you. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, you know, 2023 has been a strange year. I mean, it's a bit difficult to say what year hasn't been a strange year of, of late, uh, but it's certainly been a strange year, but you've been on quite a journey. And sometimes when you condense it down into a couple of sentences like that, it doesn't do it credit. But uh, I, I know that as per our previous episodes that you're, you know, a very open book and, and excited to share what this journey of relocating, I mean, you had a salon before, you know, of relocating has been like. And I know that what you've set up until now has helped a lot of people. And I know that this uh, last episode, I'm sure will do that as well. So uh, as I alluded to in the intro, you have got the, uh, the salon open. So, well, tell us about that day. Tell us about open day, that, that day where you finally get the doors open and people start coming into the new location and paying. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I can honestly say that it is amazing to finally be there. And furthermore to that, it's amazing to finally have it all behind me. Um, you mentioned there that it's been, you know, over three episodes now that we've recorded it. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity because as much as some people have reached out and, and said that I've been helping them, it's actually nice to hear myself back. I think in the last episode, I was getting some praise about how composed and how I had it all together. And then, yeah, if you were a fly on the wall for the last few months, it was a version of that. And then most of the other time, it was definitely <laughs> the polar opposite. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah. we did it. Open day was fantastic. It was, um, you know, as cliche as it may sound, a, a dream come true. We'd been looking at this 
sat on, on paper for, you know, close to 14, 15 months. And, you know, there was a lot of weight behind the decision. Were we making the right decision? Were we spending too much money? Was everybody going to follow all of those types of questions? But it was just like you just open that key and you turn in on day one. And, you know, I had a, a very nice moment in the morning with Laura before all of the staff had turned up and anybody had turned up for the first day. And it was a lot of emotion, definitely, because, you know, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful dream. And it's just one of those places now where I feel like there's a man who had an idea and had a purpose and strapped it to a car and drove it really fast to make it a reality. And yeah. being in there, there's, there's nothing more rewarding now. So it's, it's absolutely excellent to be there. Good, good. Okay. Now I've sort of followed the journey on, on Instagram. So I've sort of, you know, been vaguely aware of the different stages. Uh, and I know when we last spoke, you were talking about how you were going to have a, a gap between the old salon closing and the new salon opening. And the whole purpose of that was about training. Um, uh, so, so tell us about that. Cause I did see on Instagram that you did actually do that. I weren't sure if that was going to happen. So, so what was the purpose of that? How did that all go? Yeah. So we had about seven business days or 10 days turnaround in between the two. Um, and we sort of created that space because we were transitioning from a boutique salon in a private location as such and moving into, you know, a high traffic shopping center. So there were lots of elements of the business that needed to be changed and trained on. So we used that week, I called it a retreat week and we didn't go anywhere fantastic, but we had, you know, we sort of started the week with a bit of perspective. We sat in the empty old salon um, and we did some training and we really focused on what it was going to be looking like welcoming walking trade. And we also revisited some of our social media focus moving into the next few days, we just had everything as a combination between um, stocking the new salon lunches. We had uh, a wellness day. We all just went and got a movie and had some popcorn. Uh, and then we had a full day in the academy where our brand partners welcomed us into the academy. We had all of our product training, all of our revisit of our focus. We had an opportunity to do each other's hair. I took everyone out for dinner. Uh, we had a few drinks, had some emotional words like I always do. They had the weekend to themselves and then the two days before we reopened in our new location was literally focused on, you know, staff development, making sure we were comfortable where everything was in the salon. Uh, we did all of our marketing shoots and campaigns and photos. So we had all of our content looking amazing and, and ultimately just making sure that we were 100% confident come Wednesday morning once we opened the salon that we were ready to rock, we were rested and we were well rehearsed for what was ahead. Mm. Was it a hundred percent successful? Yeah, I would say 98%, but the 2% was just things that we just did not expect. And I suppose working in that boutique salon and then moving into a high traffic walk by trade, it was just something that we had to con consistently keep training on in the first couple of weeks to get it right. So whilst mm. the week off was amazing, there was still more training once we got in there for sure. Yeah, well, you can't you can't anticipate everything. Like, no, um, definitely not. You know, on as you said at the beginning, it was an idea on paper, and and you know, we're going to talk about this in, in lots of different ways as we you know discuss this for the next 
you know, 45 minutes or so. But yeah, you, you can't anticipate everything when you get real people in there, real clients, real staff and, uh, and are dealing with the, you know, the physical space that you actually have, as opposed to what it looks like on a piece of paper, it, it's bound to throw up some challenges. Um, before we get into that, just just tell us about the transition from one location to the other. Was there any big challenges there in terms of, I'm not even sure really what I'm asking here. You know, part of me is asking about the sort of physical stuff, the taking stuff from one location to the other. Um, yeah, another part of me maybe is asking about this, that, that sort of, you know, that sort of emotional transition in terms of the, you know, the, the client experience, the, the team experience, you know, what, did that throw up any surprises for you, that sort of stuff? Um, physical, it was hard work. It was very hard work and mentally and emotionally, it was all hard work. Um, you know, I tried to take some of that time in between the two salons to have some moments to myself, but as a roll-on effect of that, it did result in some days being nearly close to 16 hours in setup because, you know, it's one thing to pack down a full salon. It's another thing to get it all back to my house. And there was another thing to get it to the salon, but then it was the next step to set it up. And whilst there was days where we used the team to set up most of it, there were just elements like the technology side of things, who was going to set up the computer, the internet, make sure yeah. the phones were connected yeah. and all of those fine steps from there. It was about making sure there was little things like the systems and the processes revolving around cleaning lists and whatnot. Couldn't be created until I was in the environment to do that. Mm. Um, they were the hardest parts because as a roll on effect, I, I was taken away from my home for a long period of time, barely got to see my daughter awake. So as it got towards the ends and I, and I finally had my moment towards the ends where I could reflect on it all. Yeah. It was a massive weight out of mm. me, not even mm. off my shoulders, just completely out of me. Um, and the perspective of that, I suppose, Looking back at it was always going to be worthwhile, but it was sort of like I had that moment to look back and think, well, what type of a leader did I look like during that period? And what an, what what type of an example was that for my team? And I suppose that was sort of showcased on their commitment because they were paid during that period off, but they were also there long hours as well and they were happy to commit their time and they could see the benefits and the value of putting in that extra work. In mm -hmm. terms of the clients, I think we did a lot of hard work marketing that we would be closed. Um, we did a lot of text message campaigns because everybody sees their text messages. So even in that period off while we had the phones diverted, we've, we had minimal, minimal phone calls. We had some general inquiries, but it was quiet. It was well documented. So once we had opened, I suppose as much as all that hard work was behind us, once we were open, it was just as hard because we had so many visitors, we had so many phone calls, plus we had all of the new interest for the center. So, it, the, you know, that, that period from, say, closing on the 5th of August and reopening on the 16th of August, it really stretched all the way up basically to the end of August. It was a lot of hard work. A lot of mental capacity was required to keep a good face on, to look fresh mm. in the morning and to keep those long hours going and then add those to the teething issues that you have as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Okay. Um, the old premises, what, what, what happened to that? Because I know there was the possibility of trying to get someone else to take it off your hand with all the fixtures and fittings, etc., cetera, uh, which is obviously a nice thing if that can happen. Uh, what, yeah. what was the end result with that? Uh, so I sold everything individually and that paid for the tradespeople to return it back to Square and I gave the keys to the, to the landlord and said goodbye to all of that. Unfortunately, I had two people who were interested, both of which came from Facebook Marketplace. Uh, I had no luck with any of the brokers. I had plenty of time wasters on Facebook Marketplace, but I had two that were concrete and two handshake agreements as such with two people who wanted the premises. But I said, there's no point shaking my hand. You need to go and get the lease that you want, and then you can come back to me and pay me the money as such. Mm. And neither one of them could get a deal with the landlord. And yeah, so I, I basically said to the landlord, I need to know latest by the, the Friday before. Um, they couldn't get any deals. I then offered them the joinery. I said, I'll take everything else. I'll leave you the joinery. You can continue to market it as a hairdresser, joinery free of charge. They didn't want that either. So literally closed my doors Saturday, 5 p.m. I left the salon 1 a.m. on Sunday morning. I was back there at 6 a.m. Sunday. And I left there again at 6 p.m. that night and just got everything absolutely demolished, sold, ripped out. And that way I could be at my retreat week on Monday morning as if nothing had happened. So I didn't need the extra stress, all the pressure. Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. you know, I, I, we parted ways with the fact that yeah. we may not sell that salon. And we were always conscious of the fact that the beautiful salon and the renovation that we mm. did have paved the way for the opportunity that we have today. So it already paid itself off and sure, cash in hand is always nice, but you know, knowing what I know now, mm. if I had more cash, I probably just would have spent more cash on my salon anyway. So everything was just like part and parcel and we said sure. goodbye to yeah. it and that was that. Okay. And is it is it still vacant or is there someone else yeah. gone in there? Yeah, and I say that with a smile on my face because I wasn't very on good terms with my landlord, but I think he's going to struggle a, a long time to fill that place, unfortunately. Right, okay. All right, yeah. well, let's move yeah. on from that. Do, do, yeah. do you miss anything about it, about the old place? Because there's often a, you know, it's, it was a part of your journey, it was a part of your life. Is there anything about it that you miss, whether it's the, I don't know, the parking or the, the light or the, you know, the size of the break room or something? Is there anything there that you look back at and go, actually, that was good? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm always going to have a soft spot for my first location, especially mm. because I went there as a work experience kid and thought I was going to own it forever. Mm. Um but at this stage, it's just it's still too soon to to miss anything. I think it's just how much we love our new place and how much I have longed for a new opportunity that I look back at it and I, just, I still see a version of myself that is like you made the right choice. There is right. okay. nothing keeping me there, and um, have no regrets about any of that. Of course, my neighbour who was the dentist. You know, I knew him the whole time I was there. The guy who owned the deli, I knew them the whole time we were there. You know, you're going to miss those relationships. Yeah, those relationships, yeah. I've already got relationships in my new place too with some people yeah. there. And, you know, those things, not that they're replaceable people, but mm. what you liked about those things are replaceable so far. So, yeah, okay. So I think it's safe to say I don't 100% miss it. All right. Now, um, the listeners uh, who may have been listening to the previous two or may not have might remember that, 
there's 11 miles between the old location and the new location. I'm correct yeah. in saying that, aren't I? 11, yes. 11 miles yeah. thereabouts, yeah. which is a significant um, distance. Uh, yeah. was it, uh, I know you talk in Ks, don't you? Was it 15 yes, kilometers? About, it's about 18, 17, 18 kilometers. Okay, 17, 18 kilometers, which is about 11 miles, uh, which is a long way for clients yeah. to consistently, you know, like a lot of them will go at the beginning, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to go, and they might go once or twice. So it's still really early days to see whether yeah. they maintain that tradition. Uh, but I know that you'd sort of factored in, if I'm right in saying you said that you anticipate 50% would follow. What yeah. What's that looking like so far in terms of clients following? Uh, I would say it's at about 70% so far. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Which, which I have to mention as well that I'm extremely grateful for in this moment. The center in which we work at is miles ahead of its time. I tell my clients it's like Vegas because there is nothing around us yet. But the mm. infrastructure and what is already in the pipeline with town planning, we know that it's going to be a hub. And when I look at the other businesses in the center, my heart goes out to them because there is just only drips and drabs of walk by trade and instantly we great we gained the reputation of just like holy shit this guy is fully booked every day because mm, what has followed us plus the new interest we've been stacked each day and for that I'm grateful for for those who have followed us you're 100% right they may or may not continue uh, the biggest thing that I've just had to con continuously remind myself in a really modest and honest way is that yes we are 17 kilometers away but truthfully, I don't think anybody's doing what we're doing within 17 kilometers anyway. Mm. And the center itself has a lot more for the patrons to enjoy when they come there. It's a very mm. much an essential service place. And that's been the biggest feedback we've had so far. They come here, they can do their groceries, they can go to the phone repair store, they've got somewhere to eat. There's so much more for them to do. Mm. It has inconvenienced a few, definitely, and mm. we expected that. But I, I would, I'm, I'm safe to assume that so far it's at about 70%, which has been an extreme help, uh, especially in the early stages of business. I think I look back to myself 10 years ago, knowing what I know now, you'd have to have some real courage to, to open up in today's climate. And of course, I wouldn't have went there with, you know, eight staff and the overheads that I have, but watching what people are working towards the offers that they're offering people to get people through the door, the walk by trade and minimal, it would be a very challenging start to life uh, mm. without those who have followed us. So I, I'm constantly reminding at least once a week the, the staff to, to express gratitude. Every single client that I remember from the other place, whether they're mine or they're not, I tell them, thank you for making the journey. I really appreciate that. And just mm. keep expressing that to, to as, as much as I can out loud to continuously remind myself not to forget uh, what it actually means for those people to continue to follow us. Yeah. And are you um, are you saying that in the centre itself, there's a lot of other vacant shops when you said it's a bit like Vegas, there's nothing around us? Is it in the no, centre itself? Vegas, it's Vegas in the sense that when you drive to Vegas, it's just land and then mm. boom, these buildings are pop out of nowhere. And our yeah. shopping centre is literally that at the moment because all the town planning around it, whilst it was all approved at the same time, Woolworths, yes. the landlord, were the only ones that had the confidence to continue to build. So all of the medium density housing, the mixed, uh, I think it's sort of like mixed mixed business has yeah. been approved and okay. there's been some high rise apartments approved. All of those went on hold when the climate started to become tough. Uh, but okay. okay. my center yeah. 
you yeah. could walk around it and you would laugh because right now the staircases that lead nowhere. But you know when the town planning is finished, the yeah. centre is literally right in the hub of it. So Right, okay. So it'll only get better, go from strength to oh, strength. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. All right. Um, and what about your team? Because it's not just about clients travelling 18 kilometres, 11 miles every day. It's also about your team. So their journey has dramatically changed. Um, has that had any negative impact on anybody? Uh, I wouldn't say negative. We have had one resignation since we've been there. Mm -hmm. uh, but out of all of the staff, all except two, are uh, very much closer to work now uh, okay. and enjoy the drive, which is fantastic because it's completely against traffic. Mm -hmm. The two who have to travel a bit further also drive against traffic. The one who chose to resign, though, has been a version of a discussion for the last 12 months about her direction, her path, her love, and her focus. And I suppose in one way, the new distance driving to the new salon and the new feeling surrounding the culture and the vibe that we've created has sort of created a space where she's comfortable enough to come forward and say, I think it's time that I have a break and step mm. back. Everything seems to be quite strong and confident here. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, you know, I really love the fact that we've been able to create a space where she's confident enough to come forward and not feel guilty for leaving something behind. She has been with me since day one, basically. So mm. we're very happy for her to make that new change. And we don't want to, I mean, we knew just as much as the clients may not follow that it may inconvenience staff as well. But, sure, yeah, you know, you can't yeah. weigh in all of your future decisions around, you know, a handful of people. And I definitely yeah. don't want anybody to feel like that they're forced to be there as well. So for mm. those who are still continuing the journey, I've had nothing but positivity. We had a check-in after two weeks uh, and next week will be six weeks that we've been in there. And I always check in with them every month and have a half an hour chat. So mm. uh, constantly just checking in and everybody's really, really enjoying themselves. And you can see it in their performance. You can see it in their smiles. You can see it in their uniforms. You can mm. see it in their hair. That's just... You know, it's it's been nothing but positive so far for those who are really Good. enjoying it. So Good. Okay, yeah. No, it's 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 often the case that when you relocate or open a new, you know, premises as well, that that you sometimes do lose people that are that, that there's a degree of inevitability about it because there's a there's a big change that's just happened and it, I think you sort of just alluded to it. It makes them feel safe about making change in their life as well. Yeah. And so I often say that to salon owners that you should you, you shouldn't not anticipate that because it will often happen. Yeah. Um, what uh, what's been the biggest surprise about the new location? Has there been anything happened that you you know hadn't anticipated that that is you know like been whether it's a good surprise or a bad surprise? Is there is there anything about it that uh, has stuck out? The biggest surprise to me, I would have to say, as a business perspective, I wouldn't say anything else has surprised me more is how much I actually feel like I've started business again. And even though I just had a nice long spiel about how many people have continuously followed, all of my KPIs, my targets, what used to be important in a boutique salon, now being in a high traffic shopping center salon, it's completely different. And my margins, my numbers, my targets, my expected rebooking rates, so many things are skewed that it's almost as if like there's no point me looking at September last year's report 
and having a look at September this year's report and saying, wow, I mean, we've had an instant increase. We expected that, but take out the bottom line and have a look at your numbers. Everything is completely skewed into to new numbers. And I, I, I'm surprised and I absolutely love it because complacency was a big factor in wanting to look for a new challenge in the old salon. And mm. now we're in the new salon and that complacency about knowing your bottom line, knowing your targets, being on top of your staff for their performance, all of that's out the window because I genuinely don't know. I haven't had a full month, like a full month, I mean, from sure. September 1 to September mm. 30. I haven't had a full month to know, okay, well, that was my outgoings for September. This is my ingoings. This was our percentage for retail. This was our percentage for rebooking. And it's just rebooking is the biggest one. Like we always had a strong over 80% rebooking rate. Mm. Teach the staff that two in advance is more important. And now it's just sort of like you get that many walk-ins who are just like, you got time for a quick blow dry and you just, you'll probably never see them again, right? But it's almost impossible to win that type of client over. So rebooking has dropped significantly, but I'm in a point now where I need more time, more data to determine is that important here or should I be looking at a different statistic? And I think like even just in, you know, I think when I look back at Bosley, my old salon, people only came there because they researched us. Mm. Now I've just got people who are just at Woolworths and they thought, oh, shit, that, that place looks nice. I'm just going to see if they're free and I'll come back tomorrow. So yeah. that's been my biggest surprise that I'm back in a position and I have to rethink all of my targets, I have to be mm. looking at my bottom line again. I have to be driving new versions of new targets amongst all of my team to get it right. And I mean, the bottom line is the bottom line. We know that, mm. but it's everything else that makes it tick and function and helps my staff feel more professional and rewarded for what they do. That has to be rethought and reevaluated over the months to come. Yeah, yeah, like you say, six weeks so far is too early to. Yeah. To see any real trend that you can yeah. bank on, so to speak, but but yeah. everything so far has uh, looked positive. In line with that, you know, obviously in the planning stages, you could have got this shop or you could have got that shop and maybe you went with the one you went with because maybe it was a bit smaller or something um, uh, th th than another option that you might have had in the center. I'm imagining this. I might be completely wrong here, right? Um, now that you've got the doors open, is there a part of you that's going damn, I wish I'd got the bigger one because I can see this is really going to work here. We're really going to benefit a lot from, you know, walk-in traffic or something. Is that is there anything like that going on in your head or, is again, is it too early to say? Uh, to be honest, they gave me the best spot. But I mean that in the sense that they had planned the centre. Mm. So they gave me the location. And mm. whilst it had a handful of cons, um, in, in terms of design elements, what they expected for it. I've got two glass walls, so on and so forth. If you if you check out my Instagram, you'll see the fit out. You know what I mean? It had its cons, but when we went into there, all of the locations were allocated to what they wanted. In terms really? of okay. yeah, yeah, in terms of prime position, mm. if you park underground and you come up the escalators, we are the first door that you see. Mm. And the only elevator and the only staircase in the center to get to the medical, dental and gym you have to walk past my salon and we've spent a bomb on marketing. I've, I'm sure you've seen it online. We've got mm. these beautiful blade walls in between all the blade walls. You can see into the salon, but behind the blade walls is all about branding, LED lights, absolutely stunning. So we maximized the opportunity of having 
what I consider to be the best location in the shopping center, but mm -hmm. we don't have, I, I don't, I can't take my, I can't say that that was my doing. It was just, this yeah, is yeah, what good luck, good fortune. And you Fantastic. need to design it. And to be entirely yeah. honest, when I say cons before we made these blade balls and then it was like two weeks before we were open and Woolworths came out on site and they're like, Oh, you know, really love what you're doing with the salon. There was a lot of concern about, what you were actually going to do on this wall and whether or not we were going to let you do it. And he goes, but no, not to worry. Everything's fine. We're really happy. And once I heard that we're really happy, I said, well, not for anything. I said, but what did you want me to do? I said, you gave me two glass walls. Yeah. Then you told me to consider the privacy. I said, if you wanted the glass covered, why didn't you just give me gyprock walls? And yeah. now you tell me I've got to clean the walls too, that it's not your responsibility. So there are pros and there are cons, but it was just interesting how they even thought, oh, you know, maybe we could have done something more with that. But they mm. gave me the spot, and, and I believe yeah. we did more with it. So, Yeah, yeah. What, what's it like, um, you know, before you had a – I mean, I don't know him. I'm just sort of imagining. You, you had a local landlord – a guy who owned a couple of shops and a strip shopping center or half a dozen shops, whatever it was, um, uh, as opposed to now you're dealing with a big, you know, international brand. Um, what's that been like in terms of, you know, dealing with a new center management company compared to, you know, the local Joe, the landlord you had before? Um, communication is much more efficient in our new location. Mm -hmm. And my communication is beginning to fizzle out directly with Woolworths and moving over to the managing agents who is Collier's, also a global brand. Mm -hmm. um, but she's also on site full time. Uh, that's where her okay. office is and she's assigned to that. So mm -hmm. her door, as far as I know, is completely open. I'm mm -hmm. yet to go and have a reason to go up there just yet. But she also waltzes around and I just tell her, whenever you're around, come in, have a blow dry. And she keeps, she's actually English, but she keeps saying, why is there something wrong with my hair? I said, no, just come in and have a cuppa and get your hair done. That's what we're yeah. here for, right? So I haven't had too much of a concern in terms of communication. I do have some questions about some things that I'm not happy with, but I'm going to wait till I get to a point where I've shown that I don't miss my bills. I've shown that I'm always there. I've shown that my shop's always clean. Once I start to build that rapport and that trust, then I'll probably head up into the office and address some of the concerns and see if I can continue to tweak some things my way. But in mm. comparison to the old place, I used to send, I used to call, I wouldn't get a call back earlier than a week I used to email mm. if I got an email it was a couple of words here I, I would email I'd get something back by the end of the day for sure so so far right. much better okay good good all right now I know we talked about this a little bit last time um, uh, I've seen many salons that look beautiful on paper like you know you get these great CAD drawings from the architect designer whatever and it looks fabulous but then when it's actually built you often find that when you're in that real space, as opposed to just the 3D drawing of it, that you think, gosh, I wish this was a bit higher or a bit lower, or I wish we had a bit more width between the chairs, or you know, I wish the retail had been put on that wall instead of this wall. Uh, now that you're in there and the, the practicalities of having a salon full of staff and a salon full of clients and you know the, the movement of people, um, is there anything that you're looking at wishing that was, you know, done differently? Truthfully, 
at this stage only one element um, and it's minute because Angie, um, she loves sitting in that chair and she works in that space quite comfortably. But had I have had a bit more of a level of head, I should have measured the distance between a particular chair and a particular wall and could have created a bit more space using what I had. Other than that, um, I would have to say that it's been an adjustment because it's much more narrow than our old salon. But overall, it's, it's working quite efficiently. We've got a ton of storage, which is great and nothing is exposed, everything is hidden, which makes it even nicer and more appealing. But yeah, I think just everybody sort of gravitated to chairs that they, in our old salon, we had our own chairs, especially post COVID, everyone didn't really move, right? So now that we've been in the new place, other than myself and say Angie, who's my manager in training, we don't really move chairs too often, but the rest of the girls just enjoy floating and getting around. I think the only, it's not even a negative, but the only thing that our old salon had that the new salon doesn't have, we have the center islands is where we have our waiting area and our, where we mix our colors. We sort of, having that island, it sort of cuts off the banter from one side of the salon to the other. Uh, and that was a beautiful element that we had in Bosley Park. And we haven't 100% lost it. You just sort of got to duck and look under the bench and still say your cheeky comment to each other and have a mm. laugh. But other than that, it's, it's honestly, it's been really, really nice. I just, I mean, you know me well enough to know that I've just, every time I see something hit the floor, I'm like, wipe that up or clean that wall or get that, what's this doing here? Because I just want it to be immaculate for as long as possible. But at the same token, it's, you know, we're working in there too. So it's got to yeah. have a bit of wear and tear as well. So you have to have a little bit of leeway with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, there was another thing that you and I had spoken about in your old salon about retail and where you had it located and then when you relocated it, um, if I'm right in saying your retail sales improved when you did that. And I know that when you were designing the new salon, the retail was back down the back again. Um, I think I'm right in saying that. And I was sort of saying, well, hang on, in a mall, you should be really have that retail nearer the front door because you do get a lot more walk and traffic, et cetera, that will come specifically for retail. Um, how's, I know it's early days yet, how is the positioning of retail, et cetera, gone in terms of, you know, sales? Is it working for you or against you? Is it like, you know, what's happening there? So far, retail has improved by 4%, I would say. Okay. Yeah, uh, which is an instant improvement. There would be, I'd say, probably 2% of that is walking, just yeah. people who quickly pop in and know you're the go-to for hair. Uh, the other half of that is, is just the staff being a little more professional, a little more enjoy. There's a little bit more enjoyment around placing the products on the shelf, communicating about them, and just... You know, the, in the in our week off, we just really focused on what it takes to be a professional hairdresser and yeah. not a, you know, too often you get into that category of, oh, I'm not very good at retail because I don't like selling things. But it's just, I just tried to get my team in the headspace of let's just become educational. And I know that we already do it well, but let's make more of an emphasis. Let's be educational professionals. So I think when you combine the fact that we're in a shopping center, we have a grand 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 retail shelf with led lighting and it's beautiful and it's always fully stacked and it's nice and congested and you combine all those things together we've, we've seen an instant improvement which is absolutely fantastic okay good and i know you said that you know one of the things you'd notice straight away about the new location is that before you were in like a like a strip of shops shopping center um whereas now it's more of like a 
more of like a mall environment. I'm correct yeah. in saying that, aren't yeah. I? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you said you'd be, you'd notice straight away that you're getting drop-ins, that people just popping in saying, can I get a blow dryer or whatever? Um, yeah. Is it the same type of client that you were getting before? Has the demographic changed at all? Um, yes and no. We are getting a lot of local interest, which is still, our, we, we market to a bigger bracket than what most marketers would probably not agree with but like we prefer to be working with between you know 25 to 45 so it works within our bracket Mm -hmm. there are definitely younger families around so it's working within our bracket but one thing that i have noticed the most with the walk-ins is our fit out is sort of separating the inquiries a little bit for us and what i mean by that is we have particular people who walk in and they don't even care what it costs. They just say, I want to get my hair done here, book mm. me in. Okay. We have some other people who sort of waltz in and they ask you the questions and they get you the information and then they're sort of like, cool, I'll give you a call. And then you literally just have the other person who's just like, you got time for a blow dry? No, it's all good. All right, see you later, bye. And happy either way. So sort of have a varying degree of the type of people to come in. Um, and it's still too early to know if we've been able to win any of them over. I'd say probably from my memory so far, I'd, I'd say we'd have between five and 10 who have already come back for their second visit since. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah. And have you the, changed uh, the price point at all or is the price point the same as to the old salon? Yeah, price point is the same. We just made one internal change um, because Woolworths has quite a strong sustainable approach. Um, and we made that shift to say goodbye to our sustainable partner, but begin to continue to be sustainable inside. So by making that change, we were able to take that fee out of their price, but left it on their price. So that helped us grow our revenue without inconveniencing our price point within our, with our clients, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I just want to say uh, to the audience, if they didn't listen to the previous episodes and you hear Daniel saying Woolworths, uh, Woolworths is the managing agent of the, uh, or the owner, I should say, of this centre. Is is that correct? Yeah, Yeah. they're the owner of the centre. And Woolworths in the UK and in the US, uh, I don't believe exists anymore at all. Uh, So, um, yeah, it's a totally separate entity to the old Woolworths that used to be in the UK and originally started in the United States. Um, So, yeah, so that's what that's all about. It's not he's not he's not in. uh, Don't imagine a Woolworths. Yeah. (laughs) Don't imagine an old Woolworths and think, what's he got a salon in there for? That that just happens to be the name of the of the person who owns this development. Um, And they're very successful in the in the Australian market. So sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, it wasn't an easy decision to make to, to part ways with sustainable salons as such. It was just more knowing that we had spent the last three years being focused on sustainability, separating all of our materials and giving it to the right place. But when we were looking at what we expected our overheads to be, how we could manage, putting ourselves in a position of the current economic climate and considering all things, for us it worked out to say that if we part ways and continue to do the recycling ourselves, and trust that Woolworths is doing the right part, all of our clients won't see a notice, yeah, won't notice a change in their mm-hmm. price. 
but we will see a change in our bottom line. And expressing that to sustainable salons, they were completely receptive and totally understood. And mm. they thanked me for my transparency. And, and of course, I said, when the time is right and we know that we have that margin again, we'll be back. Uh, but knowing that we're partnering with somebody who is already putting that at the front of the line and we're separating the materials, we know that we can still say that we are working towards sustainability too. So, Yeah, okay, good point. All right. Um, what about the budget, the B word? Uh, obviously, when you set out at the beginning of this project, you, you know, you do the math as to, well, what is this going to cost? And, you know, budgets are a bit like rubber bands sometimes. Um, and, you know, there's always things, I think I sort of said this in the introduction, that there's, you know, challenges that happen and compromises that have to be made. You were very lucky in that you had um, your brother working with you, who's a, a shop fitter, who, who yeah. designed and built, or I don't know if he designed, but he, he built uh, the, the basic shop fit, which is handy to uh, have someone in the family that does that. But overall, now that you're in there, you're out of the old place, that's done and dusted you're into the new place it's up and running um i'm assuming that the you know the the, the bills have been paid etc um did you keep the budget on track no no <laughs> no oh there's but, a surprise no. but you know so, so how far off track was it oh as a percentage or oh, dollar value entirely up to you yeah i would say we were nearly yeah nearly close to 40 over budget give or take there were things that had changed from when we had mm. quotes to when we actually built because of all the delays there were those percentages there were other things that we just didn't factor in uh that came into the equation at one point my shop front was quoted nine thousand dollars and it was going to come in at 40 grand like there were things that were just constantly adding to pressures that we had to deal with and we had to handle. Um, and uh, it's my broker come in and got a haircut and he said to me, how did we go anyway? Did we work out? I said, oh, we went over budget. And he said, we know we probably could have squeezed a bit more. And I said, yeah, I know, but if you squeezed a bit more then I probably would have just spent that and gone over that too. I think it's just one of those cases that once you start doing nice things and you start seeing nice things, you can make some changes in other places, but even in a completely empty shell with not everything was brand new. Everything was being built. There were still things that had arise that was just like, Oh my God, we're going to have to fork out for that now. And, and that's what it is. And when you're that far in, you just get it done. And thankfully Laura and I were prepared personally as well to, you know, support that. And yeah. So whilst, whilst it would have been nice to stick to budget, it's is what it is and it's done now. And, just keep working hard and continue to pay it off. So, yeah, well, forty is not too bad. Um, no, it's not know, 40,000 40, Aussie dollars. So yep. you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a. I mean, obviously that's a blowout, but it's not the end of the world sort of blowout. No, that's right. Um, that's right. So yeah, so, so so that's good. Well done. Um, what would you do different if you were doing it again, knowing that what you know now, if you could go back to this time twelve months ago? where it was sort of an idea in your head, um, you know, uh, and then the bits gradually have all come together. Is there anything you'd do different? Yeah, 100%. And not, not work during the whole process. I just, there were a lot of clients who have sat in my chair for a very long time, so we're completely understanding and we're very flexible 
when I was having some really bad days during the build process. But yeah, if I had a chance to do it all again, I would make sure that I wasn't taking appointments, that my other salon was sorted and I could just be on site focusing on one thing and one thing only um, and not selling, not shortchanging my clients from being on the phone and stressed and emails and back and forward. And, you know, that version of myself too on particular days in front of my staff. So in terms mm -hmm. of that, I would definitely want to change that in the future. And, you know, to do that, I'd have to be in a better financial position and with a stronger history behind me with business, I suppose, and, and a better support network. So not to say that I don't have any of those things, but I think if you look at our climate today, it wasn't the, wasn't the time to take six weeks off work to build the new salon. It was going to cost me too much to do that. Mm. Um, and in hindsight, when I look back at myself for the last 18 months and now in my new location, um, that would be the 100% thing that I would change is just how much I've given it in my personal time, taken away from my family time, my dinner time, my, my time with my wife, all of those things was there for 18 months. But in that last six weeks, it was just, it was multiplied. And in hindsight, I should have just done one thing. And that mm. one thing should have just been focusing on the builds, given that all of my attention and known that everything was going to be okay had I've left that behind. So I don't know if that was the answer you were looking for, but that's definitely the one thing that I would change. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Yeah, so you can say it's a sort of a time management thing, but I mean, yeah. it's the practicalities of you're, you're a big revenue producer. You need the revenue. Yeah. You've got to be yeah. producing revenue, but you've also got the shop fit going on and all the, yeah. all the stuff that goes with it. And as I alluded yeah. to, even though, you know, you had your brother doing the, you know, the shop fit stuff, yeah. There's still so much else that goes on in the background, yeah. so many phone calls, so many emails, so many people yeah. tapping you on the shoulder that you yeah. wished you'd not tried to do too much at the same time. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, did you, what did you learn? What did you learn about yourself or what did you learn about business or, you know, a bit of both? Uh, what did I learn about myself? That's a very good question, Anthony. You know, I just, I think um, it's amazing what you can do as a human when you really stretch yourself thin. Um, it's also amazing how much you can, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how I want to answer that. I have to admit without getting emotional about anything that I it's think okay, about. Yeah. To, to be entirely honest, what I learned was just, um, I suppose, through it all, as busy as I was and as challenged as I was and as stressed as I was about money, about expectations, about delivering and so on and so forth. I think I just learned how important it is to have a good steady routine at home and mm. value those parts of your life, express that gratitude for what you had. I mean, when I say I went 18 months without having breakfast with my daughter and having a hot meal when I get home, I, I genuinely mean that. And the moment I got into my new salon, I'm driving against traffic. I have breakfast with my family every single morning and I get dinner with my family every single night. And mm. I learned that that's just, that's your bread and butter. That's your rock. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. can be, you, you can be the best, you can be the best hairdresser. You can be full of skill. You can be a great leader, but you can't be any of that unless you're a good man at home and you're a good man mm. for the people who mean the most to you as well. So in and amongst all of that journey, I learned that a lot about myself that, you know, without my home, without my family, without my drive, 
can't mm. be that person. I need to be at work. And since I've gotten into my new salon, I've learned that less is more and stop, mm. stop, stop stressing about shit that I just don't need to stress about and adding it mm. to my before hours work. And you just niggle on so many small little things. And then the big thing comes and the first thing you need to sacrifice is what time you wake up, and what time you get home. So mm. I don't, I don't really even know if that's a that's a good answer to your question. No, that's a very good answer. That's a very yeah. good answer. So, so I appreciate yeah. that. Um, last thing I just want to ask you then is, like the old salon ballpark. What was the what was the sort of financially? Yeah. What was it? What was a really killer week in the old location? What was your best week? Uh, I only ever talk XGST which is for everyone is the goods yeah. and services tax. Um, a killer week in the old salon, not a Christmas period. Uh, and if I had, you know, my four seniors and myself, I would be happy with anything between say 11 and 13. Okay. So 11 uh, and 13,000 a week. XGST. Yeah. I mean, that was enough for me to run it, you know, 2%, 3% sure. of a margin um, yeah. without unnecessary stress. Um, I suppose the next question you're going to ask me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So (laughs) the next question I'm going to ask you, what is the potential uh, for the new location? Because ultimately that's why you do this. You go and spend a couple of hundred grand on a new salon fit out. Yeah. Um, You have the potential to grow a little bit more within those four walls. Um, In terms of team numbers, I think it's only a little bit more. You have the potential to grow. But if you were doing 11 11 to 13,000 a week, uh, and that was a, considered a good week. What would you be considering a good week in the new salon? You know, let's give it six months. What, where would you yeah. like to be? Well, I can tell you now my slowest week so far has been 15. Right. Okay. So, so it's only instant yeah. between, yeah, 10. I mean, overall for the month, it looks like it's going to be close to 15% above mm. Uh, mm. what my normal three-month uh, three average is. Uh, in six months, yeah, I mean, given the staff and change that I have and dispersing what we currently have across, um, and if I can accelerate my juniors' training to welcome more of those walk-in blow dries and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. I can definitely see that being upwards of 16 consistently a week, mm-hmm. um, which is, I suppose, in one breath is probably what I expected, but in the same token, it's sort of like, it's great to build the revenue. It's just a matter of managing the revenue better mm. as well. As you know, yeah. once you start having more money, you spend more money. So mm. don't want to get caught up in that and definitely have more overheads in the new location. And we spoke about mm. it earlier in the podcast. Still too early to know exactly what all my numbers are. I have bigger bills now. I still haven't got an electricity bill, so on and so forth. So whilst there's mm. been a significant increase so far, definitely remain, remaining grounded in the mm. early stages. And of course, with an increase in revenue means you're spending more on color, you're spending more on your retail that's sitting on the shelf and so on and so forth. Mm. So yeah, I yeah. think in six months time, I'd have a, a direct answer for you for sure. But we are expecting uh, to to continue on the trajectory that we're on between 10 and 15% of an instant increase. So, Right. So in the old salon, on average, so, you know, the last 12 months or whatever, uh, how many money producing staff did you have in there? Uh, money producing staff in the old salon, inclusive of Laura, she was only there two days a week. There was six of us. Six of you. Okay. And in the yeah. new salon, what's the potential for money producing staff? Maximum that I think I could have 
with money earning staff in the new salon would be about eight. I think. Right. Okay. So, yeah, it's not huge growth numbers. No, but it's, yeah. it, it's eight if I follow the center's core hours. If I was to open my salon more within the yeah. hours or yeah. within the shopping center hours, like Woolworths, for argument's sake, yeah. added two or three late nights and had rotating teams on 38 hour weeks, yeah. you can have a lot more. And, you know, I think that will be the biggest, the biggest question for myself in the near future because mm. being in this shopping center everybody around me the nail spa next to me this is his fourth location that he's built with woolworths the news agency this is his third location the barber is up to like seven the laser clinic's up to two the opportunity to expand with companies like this will come and go i think mm. the biggest thing that we may have to factor in in the future is do we expand within our four walls or do we expand in locations if the opportunity was to arise. And I, I would say that the first one, expanding within your own four walls, is definitely a viable option in the near future. <clears throat> yeah, the answer's both, I suppose, isn't it? Because you're not yeah. gonna be paying any more rent. Like the rent's no. obviously a killer yeah. Uh, yeah. in a location like that. So you're not yeah. gonna be paying any more rent by being opening more hours. And yeah. the more hours you open them, the more profitable you're gonna be. Yeah. So, And yeah. so that's all about what you've just said, which is about yeah. rotating different shifts and having, Having people, if we were talking 10 years ago, we wouldn't be talking so freely about having people that do two days a week, three days a week, whatever it is. Uh, these days, if you want to succeed in business, I think you have to do that. And, and that's good for you. If you want to be open eventually seven days a week and, and in a mall type environment, that's often yeah. you know the, the way you make money out of it because yeah. you know, you're not paying any more rent. But you have to balance that with what you said about trying to keep a, a, a work-life balance, not just for you, but for your team. And so yeah. that's all about having the right, people that want to work those sort of shifts and yeah. being able to have the systems and yeah. you know management infrastructure so that that all works and and uh, knowing you i know that you'll be able to do that so i'm going to i'm going to predict that you know some $20,000 weeks um yeah. this time in, in 12 12 yeah. months time i hope yeah. i'm right yeah. So, yeah, and, and, then that, and then that would be really good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, listen, um, where can people connect with you uh, on Instagram or other social media channels for those people that, uh, and I'll put these links in the show notes for today's podcast, yeah. but if you just want to spell that out because it's, it catches people out sometimes where you spell your surname. Yeah. So uh, all of our handles actually got updated since the last time we spoke. So oh, that's right. Main, yeah. yeah. The main salon page is uh, D-I-I-O-R-I-O dot the hairdresser. And uh, on there, we've got some excellent new marketing content. If you scroll down, you'll see an image of me. You can click onto that and that will link directly to my personal page as well. So D-I-I-O-R-I-O hair.com.au is our website. Great. Okay. Well, I'll make sure that I put those in the show notes for today's podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast with Daniel and you've enjoyed it, do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a, a rating and review on the Apple podcast app. Um, so to wrap up, Daniel, I want to thank you for, you know, like we started out on this journey. You and I probably floated this idea 12 months ago. And when you told me about this new salon, and I thought that'd be a really interesting story for a lot of people to follow. 
And you've been very open and honest and transparent about, you know, the highs and the lows and the, you know, the, the ups and downs, so to speak, of, of what this has uh, taken to, to bring it to reality. I obviously haven't physically seen the salon, but I've seen that the journey of it and obviously seen on Instagram, etc. I think you've done a fantastic job of it. And, uh, and I think it will just go from strength to strength. So uh, congratulations. I think it's well deserved. Thank you, Anthony, and thank you for inviting me along for the journey because um, it's a very powerful opportunity to reflect for myself as well. I think all three podcasts had three different versions of myself as well. So thank you, and I truly hope that it's helped anybody in any way, shape, or form um, and in their journeys as well. So thank you. Fantastic. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.